Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It's also a point system where you have to earn a minimum uh, amount of points um, in order to be able to get to be el eligible to apply. Amazing. And one last question. So this officially makes you guys the most sustainable fashion week in the world, right? Well, you said it, Monica. Yeah. No. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kemi Sharia. And I'm Monica Ainley. And you're listening to Fashion No Filter, where we sit down with some of the lead creatives, strategic thinkers and emerging talent around us to interpret the ins and outs of the fashion industry today. Hello, Fashion No Filterites, and welcome to our second ever live episode recorded in front of a fantastic audience in Copenhagen. I want to start off by thanking the Academy. No, just kidding. But congrats to Fashion No Filter crush Joaquin Phoenix for last night's big win. That's a man whose ideas we can get behind. No, but I do want to thank our sponsors of this episode, Vestiaire Collective, for making it possible. Leading secondhand luxury fashion retailer Vestiaire have made it their mission to promote vintage fashion as a wonderful means not only of renewing one's snazzy, unique wardrobe, but of promoting sustainable practice in fashion while doing so. Our guest today is Danish style icon Pernilla Tespek. For those who have been living under an Instagram rock, Pernilla is a highly respected influencer and businesswoman. We were very excited to speak to this fashion all-round MVP, who we feel is one of the leading style authorities in her country and worldwide, and is also an old friend of ours. Okay, enough chat, let's get to the interview. Actually, wait, one more thing. For those interested in sustainability, <clears throat> which I hope is all of you, stay tuned at the end of the episode for a special announcement from the CEO of Copenhagen Fashion Week. All right, let's get to it. They are here today and uh, with the lovely Pernil, who's definitely very local, but a big international profile as well. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I'm, I'll, uh, I'll let the girls talk now. And we're very sorry that the bags under our eyes are not from Vistia Collective. No. Just, <laughs> just part of our fashion week. Uh, end of <laughs> thank you so much, Lynn. And thank you to the whole Vestiaire team. And thank you to Pernilla for agreeing to join us for this talk. How are you today? I'm a good. I'm, I'm a little rusty, as you hear. This is not my normal voice, but... Um, was a little uh, leftover from uh, a lot of work recently, so... Um. You've been running around, you are kind of, well, we think of you as one of the, if not the, style authorities of uh, Copenhagen, and you're also kind of one of the f ultimate fashion slashies of our generation. I know you've 
you're a stylist, you've been a model, you're a mega influencer. I'm a how, mom. You're a mom of yeah. two. Um, how, but how do you like to introduce yourself? Um, I would introduce myself. Um, I'm 35 years old. I have two lovely boys at home. I'm married to the most amazing man. I work with a, an amazing team at Social Zoo, and then I have my own platform um, where I can kind of get out with all my creative thoughts and um, inspire a lot of people out there. But you started out, how did you first get into the fashion industry? Um, I started out um, as a model, as you mentioned, when I was around 14, 15, I went to Paris, actually um, quite crazy. My mom let me go for three months during a summer holiday on my own. But um, that was kind of my intro for the fashion world. And every time I went on set, I always had, I was like the annoying model that, that had like an opinion about what I was wearing because I always had like, maybe we should do this. Um, and um, I think that was kind of like my way into the whole, you know, the sneak of fashion. And I've always been inspired by fashion. My mom, my, my grandmother gave me a sewing machine when I was a little girl. And then I've been experimenting with a lot of weird clothes that, I mean, I always felt quite unique sewing something together. And um, I'm not sure how it actually looked like. My mom was always quite, you know, surprised. And she was like, oh, you look smart. And I knew that, oh no, that's a bad word. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think um, that was kind of my way of getting into fashion and being interested. And Copenhagen it really is um, a destination now for the fashion set. We've seen so many girls come internationally to, to join the shows this week. Um, and that's been the case for a few years now. I think it's kind of like how French girls, you know, we often say have that je ne sais quoi. There is something about Scandinavian girls. Can you put your finger on what that is? Why people are so interested in Denmark as a city? I mean, um, I had actually, I was, um, I wrote a book some years ago where I in, um, interviewed Leandra uh, Medin, mm. um, also called Man Repeller on Instagram, if you don't know her. And uh, we were talking about the fact, like, what is it about the whole Scandinavian look? And that was, I mean, a few years ago. She was like, it's probably the only, you know, the only girls that can pull up a pair of sneakers and still look chic because at that time sneakers was something you didn't even see in the mm. fashion industry before or during fashion weeks um, and it just looked cool pairing it with a dress or something and that at that time was something super new and hot it's a way of pairing things down I mean if you look around you have like the way of the Italian looks the way of the French girls look and we always kind of like tone it down and it's something where you can kind of you, you can take that look from the street and put it into your own wardrobe. And I think people like that they see something that they can actually, you know, wear themselves. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem too complicated if it looks comfortable. And I think that's kind of the trick that a lot of girls took in. And, um, and it inspires people because you can actually, you know, wear it yourself. I always saw it as very, as you say, pared down looks, but incredible jewelry. Exactly. I mean, it... I mean, I've always been a, a fan of details. I think that's kind of my thing. And of course, I mean, jewelry makes it look super personal. And also just small details, like Hannah is wearing a really cool, um, you know, Hi, color Hannah. on her <laughs> knit. Or like adding these small things that kind of makes you stand out a bit because otherwise it, you know, you look like everyone else. So it's all about making your look unique. And I think that's what adds the trick to it. So attention to detail, that's a good tip. Yeah. Um, Copenhagen is also a leader in fashion sustainability. I know I was at the Climate Summit last May and I was incredibly impressed by the turnout and how implicated mm -hmm. the Danes are 
in this discussion. Help us out. Our industry is a bit of a crisis mode because we are a large polluter. Mm -hmm. But what are some tips as to how to just generally how to live in a more sustainable way that Danish people like take as, you know, the normal way of being or even just in a fashion frame? Like what can our listeners do to start to make better decisions in their daily life? I think, I mean, in general, circular fashion is is key. Yeah. I mean, looking at my kids to take them out, for instance, I know it's not something that you might find that interesting, but I mean, everything that my oldest son is, is wearing is going down to my youngest son. And whatever they don't wear anymore, we give them away to families that actually, you know, they can't afford that clothes anymore. So I kind of feel like it continues to, to be out there. But um, for myself, the older I've become and after becoming a mother I'm of course more aware of like the future for my kids I want them to live in a world well where you know I can also be a role model for them and how to be how how they can grow up and seeing that their mo mother and, and and father is actually aware of what's going on um, so I'm super you know aware of whatever I put into my wardrobe I want to have longevity in everything that I do and actually for the time being I'm more aware of having you know taking all things out so I feel more unique in whatever I'm dressing in because I mean this I mean today I'm for instance wearing a pair of jeans that I had for 15 years and my jacket <laughs> and it has a, a hole in the I have, I have a big hole in my butt but this um, big it's not a small hole <laughs> it's a big big and that's why I'm wearing this old Celine blazer as well and yeah. the more you kind of you know you can add small things to it to feel more refreshed but I mean for me right now I feel more unique pulling things out of my wardrobe that I, I, I mean a lot of other girls are not wearing and then it's the small details on this jacket that makes it fun like the gold button details I mean I just think that you invest in pieces that has longevity and I think that's the most you know that's key to everything so I have a controversial question for you and it's controversial because of our careers mm -hmm. but as influencers we often get accused of basically promoting an industry and, and being a huge part of the problem of, mm. of creating like constant desire for consumerism etc but I'm also aware of the fact that you in particular I think are a, a trendsetter always have been and not because you necessarily want to set trends just because you put things together in a way that then people copy and I'm wondering whether you sometimes feel pressure to change things up because once you've come up with something that you think is new and innovative suddenly everybody else is doing that yeah and so you have to change this up so it's a catch-22 in mm. a way because if you can if you start like what we're trying to encourage people to rewear things etc etc but at the same time obviously a lot of people are looking at what you're doing including brands who are then copying your looks and selling them to the masses mm. which i'm sure creates something in you that makes you want to do things differently and change things up so i'm wondering how you deal with that and what you say to people when they sort of accuse you of not being sustainable enough. Mm. You know, it's a major problem and I'm we're I'm dealing with it every day and I'm trying to, you know, push myself every day in a new direction, but you also have to hold on to your own style and what you think is key in your wardrobe. I mean, it is a problem and that's why I look into, uh, it's a problem like you want to feel unique, you, unique, you want to feel special, you don't want to look like a clone. So, I mean, for me, it's actually pulling out some, some vintage pieces and like trying to pair them in a way that it's not as easy to 100% copy, but still a lot of women out there will be inspired by the way you style it. And I think that's important. But I mean, 
it is. I mean, I don't have the the answer. the answer yet. I mean, because it's right now it feels a bit overwhelming to kind of. I mean, I I have like besides I have my work, I have my family, which takes. 99% of my time almost so and I don't sleep I mean it's tr tricky to get the inspiration that I used to get and being on the streets and looking at what all the young girls are doing because of course they inspire me as well as everyone else but it is tricky I mean and and because you you kind of put out everything that you do like every day every day there's a new something something it is tricky to kind of not you know push consumers mm -hmm. to buy something But I want to bring up your jeans that you're wearing today because you were like, when you go out here, you were like, there's rips in my jeans. And everything. But they're so cool. They look great with this blazer. You've obviously you. worn them into next year. Yeah, yeah. But it, they still feel fresh. And I think that people like you showing how to restyle things constantly. I think we need to get our audiences used to this mm -hmm. because I have publicly lamented the fact before, actually in French, but I do think we have a bit of a problem. I certainly noticed that 50% of people less like a photo if they've already seen a key piece, right? Like people want to see newness New stuff, yeah. on Instagram. And that is like a psychological problem mm. that our industry has that we need to start moving past with people like you showing how to wear, you know, classic with a twist. But I actually disagree with you on that. Okay. Because I feel like um, I feel like a lot of girls actually like something that is more simple. Okay. I mean, the simple things like the overstyling is it's just too much you I see agree. it everywhere it's yeah. like you feel like you can't really because it's not natural yeah i think people are relating more to natural things now they act really much to videos yeah. i've been doing uh, some videos lately where i'm trying to you know how can you style this thing with in two different ways how can you kind of rewear your wardrobe in yeah. different ways and i mean i'm pulling out old stuff that i still wear and i've i really want to encourage other people to do the same yeah. and i don't really care that i mean of course i want to feel unique And I mean, whatever you, you know, it could be over just a little hairstyle. Yeah. It could be a little hairpin that can make the difference. Yeah. But I mean, I really want to encourage people to kind of do the same thing. I've been researching also a bit about it. And I mean, every time I wear these jeans, it likes a lot. Mm. I mean, because it's just a vintage jeans and it, yeah. everyone can relate to it. And yeah. they're like, where did you get those vintage jeans? I'm like, they're 15 years old. I mean, but you can probably go to a vintage store and buy them for 100 kroner or something. So I, I mean, I, I kind of disagree on that. But well, I, mean, I think I think it's interesting that you're saying that through a video angle where you're giving it a different, a new lease of life. Yeah. In terms of relatability as well, I think that's an inspiring idea. I mean, I hope that it will encourage others to do the same. Yeah. Me too. Um, I mean, I had I had actually a lot of um, girls um, texting me recently, being like, "So their um, New Year's resolutions for 2020 was we're not going to buy anything." new everything we're going to buy is going to be secondhand and i find that super super interesting and i'm quite interested like i'm i'm going to go to those girls that in a few months and be like so did you actually purchase anything yet that was new because it's a really difficult thing i mean i mean i think all girls can relate to oh it's friday afternoon yeah we are going out Ready and we're wearing the, the same top again and how like i'm in the same issue every weekend like i've been wearing the same 
like Wolfert body stocking underneath the blazer like a million times and that's like my go-to thing because then I feel a little feminine and I can feel a little boyish too and I'm not too cold and and wearing jeans that I've been wearing the whole week I mean and you feel a little boring but you feel comfortable but I think that's the fact where people are like panicking that Friday afternoon at the office they like they run into like high street stores finding that little skirt or dress or something and then they're like yeah I'm, I feel super sexy tonight and then it ends up like in the back of the it's closet the one second hit isn't it you feel exactly. good for five it minutes is. and then you then you look at it in the morning and you're like what am I going to do with that exactly yeah. it's and it's about trends as yeah. well um, which is fair enough but so how do you let's talk about wardrobe detoxing because I know that my husband is beside himself like about to sell everything I think he's probably doing it while I'm in Copenhagen he's like we need to get the clothes out of here oh, no. how often but, do you do can this I, can I just say Monica like got convinced him to give the bigger room <laughs> the clothes so they have no, their bedroom hilarious. is the small room <laughs> no. no because I used like other emotional psychological uh, ideas about that room <laughs> uh, but right now it's just full of clothes no. and he's like but so he's very pleased about uh, Vestia Yeah. Being exa- we've talked about this already about Mark's he's passion addicted, for yeah, this. He loves this job. Um anyway, how often do you do a detox of your wardrobe and how do you decide what to get rid of? So our wardrobe is actually quite small, which um may come as a surprise but it is quite small I have every time I take something in I take something out and it sounds I don't do it by the minute by the book but I do a detox every time I've been like throughout a busy period and I didn't have time for it I have a, a, a certain amount of um, hangers in my wardrobe and I know if there's no hangers left I have to kind of like do something about it I actually you know throughout fashion weeks and stuff I borrow so many samples a lot of the things I'm wearing is not even clothes that I own but something that I've borrowed from the brands because I mean I don't want to overbuy stuff yeah. for feeling unique for fashion weeks or something I would rather buy that two things and then I'm happy for the season I think the interesting thing about that is that for a f- For a few years, um, that was a privilege that only fashion <coughs> fashionistas, girls like us, who had the privilege of working within the industry, um, benefited from. But now there are more and more platforms where you can rent. Mm. What was um, that exactly. app you were just talking about? We've already talked about it on Fashion No Filter. Rotate. Yeah, yeah. And there, there are loads. My wardrobe. I mean, there are lots. Like you can. I think that's the that's the other thing because there are certain things that you don't want to commit to buy if you're looking, for example, for an insane Chanel bag that you're going to keep forever maybe Vistier is the perfect place to shop because you know the quality is going to be controlled mm. you know that every but like everything that you find on there is top top quality and I find that very important if I'm going to be making a vintage purchase because I don't want to be tricked into getting something that's not um, beautiful and yeah well kept but if you are going to a wedding and you don't want to maybe wear the same dress you've worn to three other weddings because you know it's going to be the same people there and you want to stand out because you do feel good when you're wearing something different mm. maybe rent something mm. the other trick also is to go and borrow rent the from one isn't it called rent, rent, the, rent the runway, runway. Yeah. there's one called my wardrobe hq there's a lot of th- yeah. th- these things popping up but um i think the interesting thing is that there are many ways in which we can turn our wardrobes into a more circular mm. economy kind also of. borrowing from friends yeah. like I know it sounds crazy but my friends and I have a real shifting wardrobe situation and I mean Kemi and I share a lot of clothes and I wish we lived in the same city yeah no but, <laughs> no, but like this is this is I I my unfortunately I had to attend a funeral um, over Christmas and I thought about going out and I didn't have anything appropriate with me an all black outfit that was going to work 
And I thought, should I go and buy something? And I was like, no. And I went to Monica's and I borrowed a beautiful all black ensemble and then I gave it back to her. And I think it's, that's some, sometimes something you need to think about. Like mm. you don't always need something new. Friends around you will have a lot of the things that you need and actually borrowing. The only thing I don't lend anyone are my jeans because I think like what Penilla was saying, like they kind of take the shape of your body. Yeah. Totally. And I don't want anybody to like, turn them into a different shape because I think they're so important. Mm. Everything else I'm happy to lend, but not my jeans. No, actually, I think, um, I think the issue is right now is that our generation have been growing up with this overconsumption, mm -hmm. but the younger generation are much more aware. And I actually think we should all look into what they're doing as well. I think they're much more aware of what's going on than we are. Mm -hmm. So right now we have to make an action because we're the ones setting, you know, the bar of you know, how you are looking like when you're in your 30s or in your 20s. I mean, so whatever you say with, you know, we borrow from your friends, we all did that when we were younger. I mean, maybe we should just start to continue doing that. Mm. I mean, it's not like a bad thing of borrowing something. If you're, you know, if you can keep them clean and not destroy them completely, even your genes, I think we should kind of look into what the younger generations are doing right now because they actually have something really, really unique and important Great on their minds. Point. Yeah. I I'm loving the graffiti here in Copenhagen. And last night on the way to Ganny's show, I noticed a massive Thunberg written oh, yeah, on a so wall. Putting on. And I was like, wow, like we are, but it's amazing because that's, I mean, she's a huge uh, inspiration and inspiration yeah. here in yeah. a way that she isn't necessarily quite yet in other countries. And I think it's, yeah. I think that her generation, we, we do need to put a lot of faith in them, as you say, and follow them. Can you inspire us a little bit? Because um, we know you have a very good Chanel vintage collection, mm -hmm. but what was your last vintage purchase that find that you were proud of? Um, so uh, my last uh, friend, I added, it's not, it was not a Chanel bag, it was more a Kelly bag. Her name is Kelly. She's uh, brown and little caramelish, and she has golden details. She's a little rusty today, but um, <laughs> she's delicious and she um, suits well into my beige universe. Uh, she goes with everything. Yeah, she? she goes with everything. She's do you, sweet. Do you have concrete, concrete tips for people who are looking to buy something on, on, on a site like this, Jack Collective. I know like there's a lot on there. How, how, do, how do you sort of sift through all the, all the things that you see, all the treasures on there? And how do you, how do you decide when you're going to make a purchase? Or even like in a vintage store physically, yeah. like this kind of applies to it all It can be overwhelming, I, I, I think, for, for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, I find it as overwhelming to enter an H&M store. Mm. I mean, I don't know which way is the direction for the kids. And I mean, it's, there's like this so much going on. I think, I mean, because I would consider myself as a nerd, I am kind of aware like nerd within fashion, maybe general a nerd, but I mean, um, I'm very passionate about fashion, and I know, you know, specifically what I would love to see if I've seen a, you know, an old Prada piece. I mean, from a runway, I'm, I, I have an idea of what I'm searching for. Um, I mean, that's my kind of approach every time I enter a store or when I'm on Vestia Collective or anywhere else. I mean, that's I have like okay jumpsuit, and then I'm like 
trying to figure out plaque okay that's easier and then it comes like maybe 100 selections off and then 36 my size great and then it kind of makes it easier than actually going into a store so for me because I have kids as well it's like my go-to thing is I'm on an app and shopping that's like the mm. only thing that's that the, that like after seven kids are sleeping I have like one hour downtown and Philip is perhaps working or something and then I can be sitting being like oh is there anything new that could be interesting or um um, what could inspire me to how can I add like style this in my own wardrobe I mean I find inspiration from a lot of women out there and a lot of old archive pictures and um, and then I kind of put it together for something that I would find on on um, secondhand or something do you want to tell us who your favorite people to follow online are especially if you have good tips for archive photos without giving away all of your secrets um, I actually think um, sometimes fashion. I don't know how to say it. I'm saying fashion gone rouge. Yeah, oh, fashion gone rouge. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes they find like funny, you know, old looks that I really like, or because. I'm not all about the fashion. I'm very much into interior as well. Mm-hmm. And I I kind of find a lot of parallels between what I really like with interior and as well as in fashion, having those different materials mixed together. It's the same thing I love in my home. So um, I kind of like those accounts where it's not 100% fashion, but something where it's a kind of a big you know, mess. And then the colors are the same things I like. So that's probably one of the accounts that often I end up going to and, and inspiring it's me. A a, that's a really nice account. I've actually been following, it used to be a Tumblr. I yeah, I know. Sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, I've been following it for, for years. Showing our age. Fashion garbage. But your home is very beautifully curated from what I've, I actually haven't ever, ever been there, but from your you Instagram. Come by. Yeah, we'll come after. But um, thanks. But I think that you have developed, it seems almost, as much of an eye for homeware as you have for fashion. Did that come later or was that just part of your general aesthetic culture from the outside? I want to. I don't want to jump in. It definitely didn't come later. I remember coming to your house years ago when yeah. we were much younger, and your house. And 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 back in back in those days, we were definitely really? not showing our houses on Instagram. So no. it wasn't a showing off thing. And your house was perfectly curated. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank I you. I remember. What year are we in here? Um, this was before Penilla's 30th. It was like six, six years ago. Do you yeah. remember? Like I, yeah. I, I came and I stayed lived in with like you. A student I came and stayed with her for for a few days, and then I came back a few months later for your thirtieth, which I remember very well. We were called on Instagram back then at Camtiox and yeah. at Look de Penny. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> um, those were the days. We we met because um, we were both going through a really bad breakup. And we like started sharing stories, and like back then, like it really wasn't this huge community of people that traveled. Mm. There really were not that many people that went to the shows, and it was so nice having a friend, yeah, um, someone to chat to. Yeah, because it 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 becomes quite lonely sometimes, yeah. and you don't really have anyone to share it with. Um, nobody really understood what we were doing. I mean, it's been the struggle for Barbara, Hannah, and I for a long time to convince people what what is social media and what is mm. what are we doing in social zoo but I mean um, yeah I, I, I was living in my brother's apartment that I rented from him and I remember you coming crashing my home mm-hmm. messing everything up oh. and then, <sighs> um, but yeah no it comes a surprise no I've been very passionate about um, furniture and and um, and and in like home interiors for many years and um and that's definitely also something that i love in our our 
recent home that we just actually sold. So we're going to spend 2020 on building a new home. And congratulations. Yeah, it's super exciting. Um, like that's kind of my mission this year that I'm going to be, you know, looking into what kind of color for the walls, what floor, like it's that all nerdy details that are also really nerdy again. But I mean, I really passionate about interior design. And yeah. do you also um, do you also look for secondhand pieces when you're doing interior? 100%. Okay. Yeah, I do. Because it's also about, you know, a lot of, I have um, a thing for chairs and a lot of my chairs are, are vintage or actually something that I, you know, came from my, my grandmother's house. But I really like the idea of that it's worn in a bit. It kind of the leather, if the things are just a little more nice and it doesn't feel as um, cold because it's all about hygge, as you've heard. It feels like more homey and mm -hmm. something that is not like, it. I don't want my home to look like, you know, um, an exhibition. I want it to feel nice and soft and mm. cozy and you just want to be there yeah and vintage and g gives that feeling it does it? yeah actually can i ask you to give our audience some tips for good vintage shopping websites because like i know that i'm obsessed with this french um site called celancy Mm -hmm. They have really great like old chairs and stuff. Or, or do they? Do these Danish ones deliver abroad? Not really. I mean, I did a really really stupid thing years ago. I bought a couch from New York from the line, and I, after that, it was such a mess getting it into the country, yeah. and also the whole you know thinking about the sustainability about getting that in. It was just a bit silly, but um, I do look into a lot of auctions because I mm. feel like when I'm looking into auctions and bidding there, I feel I can get a better bargain on it. So I don't particularly go to a specific store I, I do bid on it and then we're like putting the clocks on every time like these chairs okay now alarm clock Amazing. and yeah it's that nerdy you know keeps I it exciting it. yeah it does bit of and suspense yeah you kind of feel like you did a bargain on something when you get it for a good price so that's normally what but I do, and that's you know all the auctions houses here in Scandinavia. And where obviously, she, sorry, sorry, what? Kemi has a massive problem where she can't buy a sofa. Oh yeah, God. can you, know, you know, that, tell her about that, that classes you showed me yesterday? No, with guys, like, oh no, I have a, I have a sofa problem. I don't know what it is. I just can't. I can't get my. No, act but to together. be fair to you, it is hard because if you buy something too cool, you get sick of it. Like mine was a bit too cool. It's not that. It's that it takes eight weeks to arrive, so it's a big decision, and then it doesn't fit, <laughs> and then it, when it comes, it's smaller than what they said. Know, so you've got a minute to couch. <laughs> like you, you and your like, boyfriend, like mm. like honey, I shrunk the couch. Like it actually, I bought this amazing, <laughs> beautiful couch from Pomono, secondhand. Uh. Stunning, and it arrived, and it was tiny. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was built for like a child, and I couldn't understand. You have I to was measure like, it. no, I did. There was a mistake on the site, and I was so cross oh because God. I waited for it to arrive, and then it got there. And when I sit on it, I look like a giant. <laughs> and it's so funny. <laughs> I mean, I just look very tall um, and modelly because it just makes me but look. No, very but this does <laughs> happen. We had to take the door off the hinge, the door to our apartment, off the other night to get in a new vintage desk that like I'm so pleased about but I refuse to send it back so you can take doors off of hinges by the way I don't yeah know well we don't have that problem because I have a mini couch <laughs> <laughs> um, but speaking about your home and and how well curated it is how, how do you draw the line on what you share and don't share because I'm, I'm sure you've noticed that with Instagram as things have progressed and and people have got more sort of 
used to us being able to see other people, um, the appetite for uh, more of a voyeuristic, you know, um, personal touch on what you're sharing has been um, growing. So I wonder how you decide, you know, you obviously have two young boys um, and a beautiful home and a, and a lovely husband, how you draw the line between what you like to share and what you're not comfortable with putting out there. I mean, it's a really difficult um, fine line, I should say. I mean, I don't know. It kind of comes naturally for me what I want to share and what my mood is. I don't have like a certain rule of, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. But of course, there are some things that happens when you become a mother that you feel like another responsibility of not standing in front of a mirror and taking a selfie being half naked or something you just feel like maybe that's just because I'm 35 or I don't know but there's just something that happens within you where you're like I don't want my sons to be um, bullied in school because their mom is like doing something that is not appropriate um, so you kind of feel like another responsibility within them and also what you share and of course stories is something that goes away but I've also noticed that a lot of people screenshot the stories and regram them afterwards so I mean it, it's it's a weird like I'm like still working on mm -hmm. that defined line it's not as much f only for myself but mainly for my kids Philip is like oh you know you kind of know when he's not there around but my kids definitely it's it, it's tricky though mm. and I cannot like I don't really have the right answer yet but it's just when it feels natural that's kind of like you know when I'm in doubt I don't do it yeah that's kind of like the thing yeah instinct mm, you kind of know you kind of know yeah sometimes I go against my instinct and the second it goes up I delete yeah <laughs> we all kind of know that yeah. feeling I think we're probably going to wrap up this part because we're going to have some questions from the audience, which we're excited about. But uh, Pranilla, it seems like there's nothing you can't do. You've done TV presenting. You're on the cover of Elle. You're a stylist. You're a mom. When will there be a brand with your name on it? Or is that never? I mean, we recently um, talked about it. Right now, I feel like there's um, like a million of brands popping up everywhere. Mm. And I love that a lot of people out there feel inspired to create their own brands but I also feel like it's for me right now it's it's a lot I mean it feels like there's so much popping up everywhere and everyone wants to show something that is their own and some have, have something that is you know like a voice out there too or something a bit more niche but I mean right now I'm I'm very happy that I haven't been doing something for myself yet and if I would do it would be something with a more sustainable mindset to it or I have no idea yet I mean it's I mean it's been back and forth so many times but I feel like it's more unique to not do it than to Agreed. create something I agree good answer yeah <laughs> that's kind of it right now for me thank yeah, you so thank much you. You, thank, thank you for you. being so open. And so sorry, I sound so rusty. No, I sorry. mean, it's a very it's sexy, sexy ad to it. it but, um, it's yeah. very sexy. But my my voice is like that every day. Yeah. So <laughs> um, hopefully it's okay. Um, guys, does anyone have a question? Yeah, hi, my name is Clara. I'm from CBS Fashion Society. And we're really wondering that Fashion Week has been kind of getting a negative rep lately. And of course, Copenhagen Fashion Week is getting a positive rep because it's kind of the sustainable fashion week uh, of the world. But how is your response to fashion weeks around Europe? Do you think they should be cancelled or not? Or how do you foresee changes coming up in the fashion week that they have to adapt to this more sustainable vision? You can start. Well, we did. Well, I well, mean, we, we just spoke to Cecily yeah. uh, Thorsmark, the CEO of uh, Copenhagen Fashion Week, just before we had... Um, 
Pranilla on, and it'll be in this same episode about the announcement mm. uh, the other day that Copenhagen is taking these extraordinary steps mm. towards uh, making this really, by all accounts, by far the most sustainable, sustainable. fashion week in the world. Mm. But she did speak about, you know, how hopefully this will inspire if not push if not embarrass other to put it bluntly other fashion weeks into it and it's our job i think um Mm. as the taste makers and the content creators and the people that are attending these shows and we monica and i also interviewed alex debitak who's one of the the Mm. main people who puts on who produces these shows i think it's our job to put pressure on the brands to change things Mm. and not say we won't attend because obviously like that's not necessarily the way to do it but i always think when people accuse me of being in an industry that's so so polluting I say it's not a good idea to walk away and turn your back it's much better to stay and plant a bomb in the middle rather than be you know say right you know what I can't deal with this it's too negative I'm I'll I'll let everybody else manage this we were talking about that with Brian as well in another recent interview Brian boy you know he was talking about somebody who had really turned their back on the industry and then come back and complained about it when we were saying you know it really feels like the best way of changing things is from within yeah it is 100 and it's our that. job and your jobs i think the way that brands change is when you ask for change so mm. in the same way as like when people say like with elections and you know write to your politician we can do the same thing with brands if you see that a brand is still like giving out plastic bags with that with when you make a purchase if you see that like the packaging is out of control when you receive something if you think that someone is doing like just not making it right tweet dm yeah, but it's I, not like it doesn't need to be like aggressive crazy cancel yeah. culture stuff it just needs to be you know it's just a little yeah, message love your i brand. respond super well when people who i don't know um are like you know love following you but i did notice that in this inspiration photo i remember this was like two years ago but there was a plastic bag um maybe you should think about that and i really did think about it Mm. and i was really happy and i said thank you so much for you know because Mm. i mean i also think i was just in paris for couture and and i had some meetings with different um retailers and they were also asking questions about this and um, i think if we can i mean from the inside encourage them for like the small things i mean i was at the summit uh not this year but last year where i saw this amazing um packaging you can like reuse not paper but it was kind of this I think it was made of bamboo or something and you can sip it and you can reuse it over and over again. I was like, I said to this brand being like, maybe that's the solution. Can you be the front, you know, the frontiers of this? I mean, that could be your thing because that would kind of differentiate from all the others. And she was like, yeah, maybe that's going to be something. And I mean, perhaps it's not going to be, but I think it's also our job to kind of inspire all these, you know, insiders on these brands Mm. to think differently because when they hear it from a voice within the industry, they feel more safe about going that direction. And I think that's, you know, Mm. that's the the way to go. Thank you. You can ask us like what our favorite hamburger is or something not allowed to eat red meat monica (laughs) no but see i think that like (laughs) this kind of extreme stuff actually i think that you are allowed to eat red meat you just have to be aware and conscious and i think we have to not overcorrect otherwise everything's just no i could well i i I would actually argue that 
eating red meat is actually one of the most positive, like not eating red meat is one of the most positive changes on the individual level. You can, does mean never eating it. I think mm. anything extreme is never going to work, mm. but maybe thinking about the yeah. only times that you do have it is when you're in a local restaurant that is, has sourced it. Like local, with, organic. Yeah, exactly. Because there's also, you know, the farmers that are trying to sell their red meat. But there's so much into this discussion that we can get into. Oh, yeah, the like whole health on issue. I mean, like it's also really unha- like unhealthy not to eat the meat. I exactly. Mean, and we are going to see within the next decade so many diseases coming from people that are only eating plant-based. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, so I also think, I don't know um, how you do with your kids, but I think that it's also important to give new generation the choice to... 100%, yeah. You can't just like impose that on kids. And well, a lot of people do. Yeah. Veganism. No, 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 no it's uh, we don't. I give them the choice. Yeah, it is. It is. It's super important for them to get all sources from nutrition in this age and um, <clears throat> I don't think as you said it's not good to be extreme in any mm. way but I also know from a lot of you know scientists out there because I'm very much into that as well nutrition um, and I just know that you need to get those and it, you have to eat so much you know, so many beans and stuff or mm. proteins from plant-based that you cannot even... To consume. make up for it if you cut out entirely. Meat. Exactly. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, it's a really long discussion and I'm quite fascinated by it. Yeah. But, I mean, we have Me a question too. over there. Yes. Um, hi, my name is Alicia. I'm also from the CBS Fashion Society. And recently, Virgil Abloh made a comment about streetwear dying recently and as kind of trendsetters and looking and being an inspiration for a lot of people in style. Do you think that it's going to completely die or evolve or like what's your... Do you mean street style or street wear? Like this extreme athletic Af- street, oh, street, street wear. wear. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He said that? I didn't hear him say that. Wow. Yeah, it was, wow. I believe, in one of the business of fashion what he said the exaggerated um, streetwear would kind of die out with time. I think that he might mean exaggerated, like the m- huge sneakers that we've been seeing around for a while now. But if you think about athletic wear or even like Americana sportswear, that actually dates back to the 90s and way before. And I think that it can always be reinterpreted. You know, brands like um, Ralph Lauren are completely founded on that concept and then branched out into like evening wear and the rest of it. So I don't think that, I think fashion's really attached to streetwear and that it'll come back in different forms. I, 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 I think too, but I think everything has their, I mean, has their ups and downs and of course we've seen so much of it and I recently spoke with a retailer that said that the whole like that the whole hype about getting that certain sneaker and stuff is also going with down because a lot of young kids are just buying you know the sneakers then they wait two weeks for it to sell out and then they sell it for the double price and that's the way it turned into a business and that kind of kills the business so I think that's maybe you know, I haven't read that piece either, but I just think as everything else has its ups and downs, but I think we can all look into this room and see a lot of sneakers and stuff in here as well. I think it's become more like an every, like every person item or what you say, like it's allowed to wear the sneakers to the office, to the party, to everything. So, I mean, I don't know. It's a part of a, a must have wardrobe mm, item. So. I agree. I don't see it changing anytime soon, but at the same time, I think, I don't know if he meant that in a way that it's like, you know, like the king is dead, long live the king. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like he's also 
not I don't want to call it the problem, but like the reason like streetwear has gone the kind hype. of like the hype, the hype exactly. Yeah. Like it, he his whole brand is about that, and it's also like the Kardashian era and like mm. all of that kind of. Yeah, extreme. and and I do see the younger, not like as young as your kids, but just the little cousins. You know, my husband's little cousins who are like twenty. They are obsessed with certain sneakers, mm. and I don't remember. I mean, I'm sure I was obsessed with something else, um, but the amount of pocket money that yeah, is, I know. that they are willing That's to put I mean. into this, That's it's a I mean. hype yeah. thing. Yeah. And um, I'm not, I won't be that upset if that goes away. <laughs> Although it will probably be replaced by something else. I'm sure it will, like everything else. Hi, my name is Henny. I think, um, I don't know if this is a question or more something you should discuss. I think sustainability in fashion sometimes seems more seclusive than inclusive. Like, um, I wouldn't say rich people, but for people who have more, do you know what I mean? Like, definitely, it's definitely, we know, we know, everybody knows now we don't, we can't do the plastic bags everywhere. Everybody in Scandinavia knows that. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah. France too, I think. But um, I don't know um, if you can t discuss, like, um, the part about it being more I don't know if no, I no. have a feeling that it's more seclusive than inclusive especially in fashion that is a really good point and we have spoken we've tried to speak to this a few times um, on the podcast the fact that it is you know sustainability does get accused of being a luxury of the wealthy and it is you know there is some weight to that accusation and the problem is there is no answer to that right now. I mean, there are efforts that we can all make. There are high street brands that are obviously trying to change the way they function, but then they get accused of greenwashing. Mm. And I don't think we should just write it off as a complete impossibility that more affordable brands be able to turn themselves into sustainable brands. But I think it's a longer journey and it involves mm. a heck of a lot of effort. Yeah. I don't know what you guys think about this. It is also, it is a problem as a lot of the brands are struggling with every time they try to make it more sustainable, the prices gets higher yeah. and then there's this people that are actually, as you say, have them, them can afford it. So, it, I mean, but then again, I mean, looking at, you know, the younger generation and my kids, I mean, if they, I, I mean, we, we go and buy, you know, vintage toys as well. Like we can start in other places where you can kind of think it in as not only for the wealthy people, but also for like the majority. Do you know what I mean? Like it's the small things and can, you can also go in and, and make mm. a change in that. Mm. And I think right? like the, the, if it is, we, as we was, what I was saying before, we are voting with our wallet. Maybe it is the people who have more money who need to make the big, because if they are the ones spending the most and who, it probably is the case that mm. the people buying the more things are the ones who have more money to more disposable income. So then why should the onus not be on them, you know? And mm. often I think the problem comes from also patterns of consumerism mm. where young people see people our age buying lots of things exactly. and therefore want lots of things. So then they go to Zara or Primark and buy mm. things to copy us. So if we're also leading by example and buying less and reusing and showing that we're more able to, um, you know, like mix and match in our own wardrobes and not constantly promote new trends and new mm. things and make other younger people or people who can afford less, because obviously like there, there are the people that can't afford anything and that's 
it, we're not even going to put them in the equation because that's it, if they if they all they can do is get like a pair of shoes for their children that is like at a low price point that should be their right as well mm. i'm talking about the people who have the disposable income even if it's not a very big one and who choose instead of going to buy something from a brand that's an, a nice eco-conscious brand who prefer to go still prefer to go to primark and buy six tops instead of one and that's th that's yeah. the pattern that we want mm. to try and change mm. because unfortunately and this is what panilla said before this is something that our generation grew up with this idea that we're entitled to lots of stuff mm. it didn't happen before us our grandparents yeah. and our parents didn't have lots of things exactly. they had very few things that they wore to death, mm. repaired them when they, and it was us, we were given shit ton of choice. Mm. It, we got affordable things. It didn't exist before. Before you had to save up for everything. Yeah. And we have, it's our generation that have done this. Mm. We have created this desire for lots and lots of things. And we have to drum it out of ourselves. Mm. And by the way, it doesn't make us happier. Having all this stuff at home doesn't make us feel like better people at all, on the contrary. And that's something that marketing and advertising and all these things have convinced us. And we have internalized all of that and we need to unlearn all of that. Mm. And that is something that, as Pandita says, we can teach our children. But we have to be so aware of it because it's now become so, such, it's almost like I, I'm allowed to have this. I've earned it. I've like, it's, I, why shouldn't I be allowed? People say that to me. Why shouldn't I be allowed to buy like these three things? Like, because you don't need them. And you just have to unlearn what you think you're entitled to because exactly. you're not entitled to it. You don't need but, all and, of that. And, and we should be the first. I mean, I'm the first yeah, to yeah, say Yeah, and I speak, culpa, I'm speaking for know. myself. Like I went in, entered the fashion industry a few years ago, quite a few years ago now. And <laughs> literally when I was beginning in the industry, there was nothing I loved more than to shop, to buy new things, to try yeah. new trends, to be super inventive and experimental with my style. As I've grown older and as I've understood the impact on the planet, I've had to realize that I can't do that. And when I was growing up, I couldn't afford anything. My parents didn't give me any money. And so when I entered the industry, like having access to all of this was felt so I felt so lucky and overwhelming that I wanted it all. And then I realized that actually that's not okay. You have to also accept that we know much more now than we did back then. And we just have to change. And it's really difficult because unfortunately fashion is beautiful and fun and says so much about ourselves. And it's so personal what you wear. So you also have to find the right balance in between, you know, like finding what works for you, but also not just not, buying lots of things that are really just bad for the planet around us. And the last thing that I would add to it, and I think, again, this is probably something that's very obvious in this country, and but this is obviously going out to a lot of different people, is you say vote with your wallet, and I completely agree with that, but I also think vote with your vote. Yeah. Like young people who are so engaged in all of this, but uh, then write off politics as um, <sighs> corrupt and bullshit, which I completely understand. You, know, you also need to involve yourself and have the party that's going to be creating regulation in your country or region around this because if you sit out of the political process you're sitting out of the sustainability process mm. they go completely hand in hand so that's my speech for today about that good speech i think we're going to have to wrap it up yeah yeah but thank you so much everyone for coming we hope that that was Interest. Yeah, interesting. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Thank you so much, Pernilla, and to all who joined us. But before we go, we managed to grab Cecily Thorsmark, the CEO of Copenhagen Fashion Week, to speak to us quickly about the big news that was announced this week. We're here with Cecilia Dorsmark, the CEO of Copenhagen Fashion Week, and you have just made a big announcement, haven't you? We have indeed. Um, yeah, so we spent um, the past uh, year um, developing our sustainability action plan. Um, we have the framework of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals um, as, as you know, the, the framework of our strategy and everything uh, in a more long-term basis. But we decided that we needed like an actual uh, and very concrete action plan um, with targets for the next three years. So that's what we launched last week um, in Copenhagen. So what is it exactly for people who haven't seen the announcement? So the plan uh, lays out our targets for um, for actually two parts um, of Copenhagen Fashion Week, and one is the actual event production. Super simple um, to to say it in a in a frank way, but it's uh, it's about event production and how we can lower the impact of that in terms of climate, in terms of resource consumption, and reducing our our waste as well. Um, it's about looking at the business model for our Fashion Week and some you know some very concrete targets. For example, um, reduce our uh, CO2 emissions by 50% over the next three years, and so forth. The more, um, I think, the absolutely most essential part of the action plan is how we address the industry and how we take on a new role. Um, so going from being like a traditional fashion week, an event, an umbrella organization organizing a fashion week, and whatever that entails, to becoming a platform for driving change in the industry. So this second part of the action plan is about um, how we, uh, it's about uh, several things, but the most important thing is about how we will introduce sustainability requirements for the brands um, that wish to have a show or presentation during Copenhagen Fashion Week. So you can't get on schedule 
schedule if you don't meet these requirements. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. That's and that's from January 2023. And it's 17 minimum standards that, um, yeah, you can download the action plan on our website and see which 17 minimum standards. Um, they cover the entire uh, supply chain. So it's a very holistic approach. Uh, apart from that, it's also a point system where you have to earn a minimum uh, amount of points um, in order to be able to get to be el eligible to apply. Amazing. And one last question. So this officially makes you guys the most sustainable fashion week in the world, right? Well, you said it, Monica. Yeah. No. <laughs> But how do you how are we going to encourage other fashion weeks in other cities to follow? Suit? Yeah, I think that is uh, that is the, the most important part of, of, of this work. I think if, if it's just Copenhagen Fashion Week, that's setting minimum requirements uh, for the industry, then obviously we're not going to make an impact globally and, and we are in the middle of a climate crisis. So if this uh, if this is to you know have results mm -hmm. uh, globally, then then other fashion weeks should be doing it as well. I have a, uh, one last question. Uh, I'm curious. You said there were seven um, targets for the brands to meet to be able to... 17. 17. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I am wondering how many brands already fulfill those targets. I'm assuming most of them are going to have to change a, a, a lot of things within their business models. Yeah. I mean, we've had um, we've had both um, an advisory board and also a panel of, 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 uh, of experts, as well as um, our board of directors advising on the action plan. And I've been, you know, discussing the ambition level, actually, first and foremost, because I think it's very essential that if you if you put out 17 minimum standards that will go into effect uh, in three years from now, then obviously they need to be super ambitious, which mm. they are. But we also need to to be at a level where the industry can sense that this is doable. Yeah. I mean, if we really want, you know, to, to to come on board and to embark on the sustainable transition of our company, then, you know, these 17 minimum standards, they do not frighten us. And, and, and we're not going to, you know, turn our back on Copenhagen Fashion Week or turn our back on sustainability in general. We can do this. So I think it's 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 a it's a I think it, we found a good level. I right. hope we did. And um, without being over ambitious, but very ambitious. This is so exciting. Thank you so much for speaking to us, Leslie, during such of a course. busy time for you. And congratulations. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's all for today, folks. A big thank you to Pernilla and Cecily for joining us. And once again, to Vestiaire Collective for making this event happen. If you've got cool designer threads sitting at the back of your wardrobe that you haven't worn in uh, like a year or two years, this is probably a sign you're never going to wear them again. So hit up Vestiaire, guys. You'll never look back. Oh, and if you love us, show us the love. Please rate and review us on iTunes. It means so much. Until next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.